0: Hey Derek, have you checked out that new album by Sleep? Yes. But I mean, like, did you really check it out? Did you listen to it backwards and get all the, like, hidden meanings and stuff? No, uh uh-uh. What kind of hidden meanings are on there? I mean, nothing. It's just the same as it is forwards. It sounds exactly the same, and it's just lots of stuff about, like, smoking weed in space. So, you know, nothing about (laughs) demons on this one, thankfully. Dragonauts and everything else. Yes. So, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of Watch If You Dare, where we are going to be discussing Tipper Gore. Worst nightmare in The Gate from 1987. So, we are doing some kinder trauma this week to kind of lighten things up a little bit from the last two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a fun discussion. So, uh, let's go ahead and get started and kind of chat through some stuff we've done lately. So, Derek, what have you seen, read, played, taken in lately?
1: Well, so before we get into all that, I've missed two weeks worth of this news, but. The Candyman himself, Mr. Tony Todd, is now following us. Our Twitter at Watch If You Dare. Oh yeah, he's totally following us on there, and it's kind of fucking crazy to me because we're we're in agreement that we're definitely gonna do uh, Candyman, at least the first movie, and it's just kind of crazy that that he's following us. Yeah, I was definitely pumped. Like I was
0: I was fanstruck for a moment when that happened. One of my favorite boogeymen of all times is following us on Twitter. Okay, cool. Like, as much as I hate social media in general, you know, we have to do it to make sure that everybody hears about the show. But just the fact
1: that he's randomly following us is kind of blowing my mind. He followed us, what, like over a month and a half ago, maybe even close to two months ago. And uh, we're only now (laughs) getting to talk about it but I remember just waking up and being like hey bro I think Tony Todd is following us and you're like no way let me let me check that and then you're like holy shit he's verified this is him yep and uh and we gave him a little shout out and he retweeted us which made me kind of giddy as well but uh yeah he seems like a really nice guy at least on social media so I am excited to discuss the Candyman and probably shout him out again on Twitter when we drop that episode but speaking of other Twitter shout outs going to kind of horror I've considered assumed since we last spoke, I read a book by Sherry Priest uh, and the name of the book is The Family Plot. It is a straight up ghost story. It follows a group of Tennessee. um, I don't know the technical term for it, but they basically strip old houses and old homes of like furniture and doors and like old stained glass windows to resell like old pieces of of houses before they get knocked down. And they go to this house that's been around since like the 19th, early 20th century and just they start seeing some ghosts and other really crazy shit happens it only follows about like four characters and they're all very well written very believable and it's a spooky book and i actually shouted cherry priest out on twitter as well and she uh liked our tweet and everything and i actually even emailed her and just said like yeah i loved your book and she responded to me so she seems pretty down to earth too what was the name of the book again the family plot um as in like, you know, a a plot for a cemetery or something. So yeah, I highly recommend Cherry Priest and all the work that she does. Another thing, so Mansfield, did you wind up watching those Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse videos I sent to you from the WWE? I did, and I was kind of digging it until the very last one where he's like, here's
0: my new look, fans, and it's just Slipknot. (laughs) I'm not into wrestling, so I don't necessarily like get the context, but yeah, just all the like fucked up Pee-Wee's Playhouse stuff was great
1: yeah so a lot of people are digging this change he's um undergoing because before that he was kind of i guess the closest thing you could think of is a modern day undertaker he was basically his whole character is like supernatural spooky backwoods back swamps cult leader and he had that gimmick for a while and it was starting to get stale but not necessarily because of his own fault it's just the way he was booked and creative not doing a good job with him and he just decided to reinvent himself again so now we got this killer clown sort of peewee's playhouse aesthetic going on but i just love that at least the first two or three videos are very much like something you would think like adult swim would just randomly drop at four in the morning yeah for no reason <laughs> it's just surreal and creepy and weird so i i have to give those a shout out too and then one last thing we actually technically got i believe our first fan correction over twitter and uh they were correcting you um from our last episode for a friday the 13th about the timeline with the time skip being like over a decade or something and they were just saying that the time skip was actually like uh, less years than I think like four or five years. I answered that correction. I basically said that you were just trying to get the point across that 80s horror franchise have really fucking weird time skips and time jumps and the plot's kind of all over the place. Like not that you were literally thinking that this is the way it is. You were just kind of trying to get the point across of In my defense as well, going from Friday the 13th part
0: 4 to part 5, Corey Feldman, I can't remember the kid's off the top of my head so somebody else is going to shoot me for that but he goes from being like 11 to being like a 28 year old <laughs> So I mean, I get that. Okay, yeah, he's probably just going from like 11 to like 16, but the actor playing him at that age is like clearly 30. (laughs) So yeah, that's where like in my head, like ah, whatever. I was so not like looking for nuance in that movie when I watched it. So yeah, whatever. I I will take fan corrections any day of the
1: week. Absolutely. And I mean, how many times, especially in the 80s and 90s, in TV shows, movies, everything, were like, yeah, we're a Bunch of 14 year old kids, and it's like fucking 22 year old actors playing. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's specifically a note I have for this
0: movie because and we'll get into it a little bit deeper, but this is one of those good examples of oh, they actually cast teenage kids to play teenage kids and yeah. not 30-year-olds. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, but uh otherwise besides Tony Todd, Cherry Priest, Novel, and Bray Wyatt, uh that was kind of the highlights of horror since we last recorded. How about you?
0: Um, so mine's been kind of light lately just because I've been kind of consumed with work. I watched the Amityville Horror Part 2 which I have heard about over the years from different podcasts and different people just talking about how like bananas that one is. It definitely has some kind of extreme decisions being made um, there's lots of weird incesty kind of stuff between this brother and sister the violence is like incredibly shocking in it some of the like creep factor in that movie is pretty extreme so it was at least interesting even though it's kind of a mess. I have also jumped back into the BPRD comics, uh, which is part of like the Hellboy universe. Right. The entire last giant story arc just finished. So definitively the main BPRD series is done. And Hellboy story is done. So I jumped back into this last 15 issues and started reading back through them. I feel a tad bit lost because it's picking up after a huge story arc where lots of big stuff happened, several characters died, the status quo was kind of way up in the air, um, and this one's kind of just dropping you back in and picking up threads, so it feels a little bit rushed, but I'm curious to see how it wraps up ultimately. It's building up to some stuff with some other characters that's been a long time
1: coming, so I'm curious to see where it goes to finally wrap up this whole storyline Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, I know you, you've you spoken a lot about the Hellboy timeline in the comics. Is Hellboy in Hell still the definitive ending of the entire series? Or has there been anything written that technically takes place after that? Well, this story arc does. Oh, okay. Interesting. So technically, Hellboy in Hell happens
0: concurrently with BPRD. The whole idea behind the BPRD Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. It is basically all the agents without Hellboy. Hellboy. Because there gets to be a point in the Hellboy timeline where he just says, screw it, I'm leaving, bye, and goes off on his own. And so the comics kind of pick up after he's gone, and they all reference him, and they all knew him, obviously, so it's just kind of picking up, like, after the fact, and goes from there. But he does come back in this last story arc. So this is this is actually after Hellboy in Hell. The way that the timeline and everything works, what they're doing now is they have another series called Hellboy and the BPRD, and it is just filling in all the years from the 50s to the 90s. So they literally have done like 1954, 1955, 1956, and they'll just do like a four to six issue story arc for that year, and it kind of goes from there. So it's filling in some backstory, and it's connecting a lot of the other disparate stuff in that universe together. So they have lots of room to explore with all the characters still. The universe is not definitively done, but the main storyline is now, so maybe you know, next episode or two, I'll be finished by that point, And I can kind of give my initial thoughts without getting very spoilery.
1: Yeah, because I initially thought that all of the B- BPRD took place like in the 50s and 60s and all that. Not that it was a separate book altogether where that covers those timelines. But uh, yeah, that makes sense beyond that I have probably mentioned on the podcast
0: before I have been commuting for my job for like the past year. So I have a few hours every day to just burn. So I have been killing some audiobooks. and I kind of just got back around to wanting to listen to some junk food again, just something that I've listened to before that I enjoyed. And, um, my wife is a way, way, way bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. I like them, but it's just not something that I grew up with necessarily. Um, I didn't really go through any of those books until we were actually dating and together. So I'm listening to those again and then re-watching the movies as I go along. Just looking at it through a horror lens, I really am surprised how much horror content really is in Harry Potter all said and done. I mean, there's, you know, Lupin's a werewolf. All the ghosts. Ghosts, and there's vampires, and there's all the other, I mean, the, the other,
1: Dementors like, are creepy. Dark yeah. magic
0: stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's like, all kinds of stuff in there. And I was kind of surprised rewatching the first movie, the very first movie, just how, like, insanely brutal it is at the end when he kills uh, the Turban guy with the Philosopher's Stone and just burns him to, like, ashes mm-hmm. and he falls apart. I have such a weird impression of that movie in my head because we watched that movie all the time in college with Brad Neely's like wizard people, dear reader commentary going over it. So in my (laughs) head, I just have like that movie full of jokes. But watching like the ending, it was pretty brutal to be a kid's movie. And that kind of led me directly into a thought for our like, let's have a quick discussion before we actually get into this movie that's appropriate. So, kinder trauma is definitely one of those things that I love discussing with people because everybody has some kind of weird movie that you saw either a piece of or watched the whole thing when you were a kid that you shouldn't have seen that scarred you for life. Sometimes it's not even a horror-related movie. It's just like something random, but there was just something about it that unsettled you as a kid. And I think The Gate that we're going to discuss is one of the better entry-level horror movies for teenagers where it's definitely not the most kid-friendly thing in the world, but for like 12 on up, it's a really good horror movie to hop into so as far as like kid horror stuff what did you like accidentally
1: stumble into as a kid that maybe like got under your skin and stuck in your head for a few years uh the one of the first things that comes to my mind is i did see gremlins way too early yeah <laughs> as a kid like four or five years old early and i mean granted i fucking love gremlins and i want us to do it eventually on this show but at the time as a four or five year old all i can comprehend are the these little demonic imp things that straight up seem like they're trying to murder people. And (laughs) I just I didn't comprehend the story as well as I did, you know, in later years. But at the time, that's just all I remember. I think it's actually towards the end. one One of the scenes that scarred me as a little kid is when he's fighting Spike in that hardware store. Yeah and spike falls into the fountain and they think he's dead and his dead body like jump scare pops out out of the fountain but he's and all his like gross like, and melting yeah gross yeah. and melting and as a kid that fucking traumatized me <laughs> and uh i also another thing that kind of just scarred me was in the original lord of the rings when frodo meets back up with bilbo and he's like i just kind of want to touch the ring one more time and then his like face gets distorted and he goes like get me the ring yeah That jump scare also really got me for whatever reason, but those are two instances I can think of right off the top of my head. These are
0: two really weird examples that I'm going to give that mostly just like stuck in my head and I had a weird fascination with like what was that for the longest time. So one was. Guillermo del Toro's *Chronos*. I remember seeing that growing up it was the scene where the grandfather vampire is like on the roof of a building and he's bent over like on his hands and he's like lapping up blood off the ground of this person that he attacked and his face is all kind of peeling apart and I was kind of scared and creeped out by it but I was also just intensely fascinated and it wasn't until a few years later that I discovered like what that was and I was watching Watching Kronos, and I realized, like, oh, wait, shit, this is that movie that I saw that one time as a kid. Another one would be Child's Play. I definitely have a weird memory of being at my grandmother's house, her like old house, where they had the garage basically converted to like another main room of the house. And that was kind of like the living room area with the TV and everything. And my uncle was home from college, or maybe he was still young enough that he was like still living there with them I was very very young and it was on maybe HBO or something but all I remember catching and watching it like from behind the couch so they didn't know that I was like in the room or maybe they thought that I was asleep or whatever but it was the part of the, right at the beginning where Chris Sarandon is chasing Brad Dorf through the toy store and then he like shoots him and Brad Dorf does the like voodoo thing to transfer him into Chucky but I just have this like weird memory of Brad Dorf running around with this giant like overcoat on that's that kind of not houndstooth pattern but that weird like black and white fuzz like TV static kind of pattern and him with his like greasy hair just getting shot and spinning around and just being like oh my god that guy got hurt like what's going on and then another one that I just like it clicked in, I got this box set from Second Sight for When a Stranger Calls. And it includes the sequel, which is like a made-for-TV movie, uh, When a Stranger Calls Back.
1: It's A good sequel title, by the way.
0: Yeah. And the, like, killer guy in the second movie, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know that he's the killer the whole time. It, like, sets him up and shows you his whole kind of story parallel to the girl's story. And he's a fucking ventriloquist who can, like, (laughs) throw his voice The whole initial thing that they were trying to figure out was like, how was he talking to her on the phone, but then there was somebody at the door, and it was just him, like, throwing his voice as a ventriloquist, dot, dot, dot. But there's a part at the end of the movie where he literally, like... Puts on crazy camouflage makeup. Like those kind of photos you see where somebody puts on enough makeup to like blend into an environment. And if they're standing at exactly the right angle, they like blend in and it's it all matches up. So he's like painted himself to be kind of like half shadow, half brick wall to just like stand perfectly still and like blend in with the brick wall of this girl's apartment and then he jumps out at her and he's just like wearing a thong basically. He's like totally naked but like- Fucking what? Body painted, (laughs) yeah. And there's like a weird shot in there where you just see like the brick wall in the darkness but then you just see like his eyes open up and him like jumping out at her like from the darkness. And I remember seeing that too at same situation like at my grandmother's house and either like my mom or one of my aunts or somebody was like watching it there late one night and I happened to like see that part and just be like what what is this so yeah the weird stuff that sticks in your head like whether it's scary or whether it's just like confusing (laughs) and you're just kind of like what the hell am I looking at and then picking it up later is always a fun thing to do so I just figured we'd discuss that as a quick icebreaker before we get into this movie, so.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's always, like, the popular answers, like, the Brave Little Toaster when- Totally, yeah. Yeah, when that, was it, the air conditioning unit dies? Yeah, when that fucking air conditioner dies, it's just like,
0: what do you think you're doing? Nobody loves you. Nobody's coming back for you. (laughs) Just, like, fucking has a heart attack,
1: (laughs) and then his goddamn mustache falls off. And then the Who Frame Roger Rabbit as well with uh, What's This Fuck when his, like, he takes off his glasses finally. Judge Doom? Yeah. Oh god. All the uh, scary, scary things.
0: There were certain things that I was not scared of growing up and then there were irrational things I was scared of growing up. But I definitely remember watching stuff like Never Ending Story, where all the scenes with the wolf were cut out. Like, we recorded the VHS tapes, like, off TV or whatever, like, off Disney. And there are definite, like, track marks where the tape was, like, paused while that scene was happening and then unpaused. So, for the longest time, I had no idea what happened in that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Those are some pretty important parts.
0: Yeah, it's literally the entire end of the movie, to make it make sense. But, yeah, it just went from, like, you know, all the, like, horse dying and giant turtle and the weird, like, titty sphinx and all that weirdness to then all of a sudden everything is just getting sucked into a vortex and I have no idea why. Okay, well, we are, again, going to be discussing the gate from 1987, directed by Tibor Takax. Takax? Takax? I don't know. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. And now, someone has opened that was this is weird tearing sound yeah. there the decomposed corpse of her dead father. Oh no. no. Tearing no. out hair no. by the hands. No. I'm calling the police.
1: You got demons you <laughs>
0: Little baby Stephen Dorff as Glenn. And then his sister, Al, short for Alexandra, is played by Krista Denton. And then Louis Tripp plays his best friend, Terry Chandler. The movie is primarily about these kids opening up a gateway to hell in their backyard on accident and then (laughs) struggling to close it throughout the night to get all the demons back in.
1: If you were ever like me and you, especially if you had access to like kind of wooded areas near where you lived, even if they were like my mild wooded areas i remember as a kid because there was there was a quote-unquote park bird sanctuary in the middle of my parents neighborhood it's still there and it used to be really dense katrina knocked down like half the trees in it but before katrina it was pretty dense to the point where you couldn't really even see across the park to see like the other houses which are it's less than a half a mile wide but i remember as a kid we had all these kinds of rumors about certain shit that would happen in the park There was this random, like, stone bench, and it was the only one in the park, and it was just kind of in the middle of it for no rhyme or reason like, no path, nothing leading up to it. And there were all kinds of rumors that, like, it was haunted or there was a body buried under the stone bench. Yeah. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many times one of my friends lived right across the street from that park and anytime I slept over at his place, like, we would swore like, one of us saw, like, a guy dragging a bag into the park and disappearing in there (laughs) and stuff like that. So the gate immediately brought up a lot of those kind of memories of neighborhood urban legends, like, kind of extremely local things that neighborhood kids just kind of think up. Yeah. And it's just kind of spread around the neighborhood and once you're 12 or 13 you know you realize those things are bullshit but the gate is very much like what if one of those things was totally true
0: <laughs> yeah or or a handful of those things as we're going to discuss this is definitely kind of a collage of all the like 80s 90s you know urban legend kid rumor kind of things
1: as well as a big healthy dollop of that satanic panic from the 80s that was my other point is i felt this was like heavy satanic panic themes oh yeah and actually too a uh, question i wanted to ask you specifically and i might be jumping the gun this might be something we we may want to revisit at the end but do you think this is a more of a horror movie or a kids movie um or a young adult movie really teenager movie this is more
0: of a horror movie like i would definitely put this in the horror movie category i just think it's a more kid appropriate horror movie right like i would definitely still say monster squad is a horror movie even though it's like a comedy and it's kind of aimed directly at kids and it's still relatively kid appropriate right so I, I would still say horror
1: yeah I I'm leaning more towards the horror as well but this was definitely the most I mean and not in a bad way but it was definitely the most kiddie movie we've covered so far
0: yeah definitely I would
1: say like I don't think we've covered anything anywhere near kid appropriate but you could probably show this to like a 12 year old and they'd be okay this would be like a like you were said earlier this would be a good introduction for someone who is fascinated in horror at a young age and it, it hits kids like
0: right kind of where they happen to be at that age because it stars kids that are that age It's about the same kind of stupid shit that kids talk about when they're that age, like what we talked about when we were growing up. It's very much kind of in that mindset where, you know, if you, like, had kids that age and you said, okay, cool, write a horror movie based on, like, some bad dreams you've had, this is basically what they would come up
1: with. It might be poorly aged in today's climate, but even down to, like, the kids using really derogatory and bad words and slurs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, not really understanding like how bad of a word that is and just kind of more using it to like, you know, be a shitty little shithead kid who thinks he's tough. Yeah, this is a movie that I haven't seen like fully
0: unedited in a while. Um, I got the Blu-ray not too long ago, and this was the first time that I actually watched through it. It's the uh, Vestron release that came out recently. And uh, there are definitely two instances where two of the kids drop a hard F word, and I'm not talking about the fuck word and that kind of caught me off guard but i was like you know i guess jesus it was the 80s so that was still like not a big deal like it is now so it's kind of one of those things where just beware but that's about as rough as this movie gets from like a content standpoint where we would maybe find it questionable today you know
1: yeah and i mean it could be triggering but at the same time it's very much in the context of like you probably heard in your friends groups when you were 12 or 13 yeah and just again not really realizing that. The context and everything else about the word but so yeah just be wary of that especially if you are gonna show this to kids but otherwise yeah I think it is I, I personally think it is a horror movie too there were a couple there were actually two moments that kind of even got me I felt a little ashamed I got jump scared especially at one moment but um, I was like damn that was legit pretty creepy the horror goes from like straight goofy to really fucking creepy Yeah, like without any warning and it happens quite a bit
0: and this is a movie to where a lot of the horror in it is so effective because it's backed up by a lot of really kind of deep and serious emotional stuff but it's stuff that again like hits kids like right at the level where they could be like there's stuff about one of the kids has a, a parent that's died and the other parent is like not doing well and the kids kind of dealing with all that and externalizing everything so it deals with some serious stuff but it's it's all in a way that kids watch could totally get um, where they're not being talked down to in any way, shape or form, but it makes all the horror stuff in the movie that much more effective.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, no matter what your age is, is if you want to kind of like dip your toes into horror, even more so than probably any other movie we've covered, this would be a fantastic way to start. I feel like even if you absolutely hate horror, this would be a good movie to watch if you're still like kind of slightly interested in it or be able to kind of have that feather in your cap that like yeah i watched something legitimately kind of creepy and it is like for all this talk about us saying that it's kind of trauma and it's more teenage uh even preteen appropriate it's still pretty creepy like like i said i got jump scared at, at least once probably twice so it's also just fun
0: from like a special effects standpoint, this movie does have really good effects. Some of them are dated, but there's something that's still just fun and quaint about watching a movie that has these type of practical effects in it. So it's definitely worth watching just from that standpoint, too.
1: The effects are even if they're dated, they're pretty endearing yeah. and they seem to work with the overall aesthetic of the movie.
0: Yep. So, let's go ahead and kind of run through the plot and talk through it as we go. The movie starts with Glenn. Um, He's 12 years old, again played by Stephen Dorff of uh, Blade fame.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Deacon Frost
0: himself. edgiest villain of the 90s, Deacon Frost. (laughs) He was also in Judgment Night and Cecil B. Demented and uh, somewhere, and then most recently he was in the third season of True Detective. So, So this is him like as a young child. Uh, So he has a nightmare where he goes back to his house and the house is empty. His parents are gone. Everything is just kind of off and weird and ominous. So you kind of have a feeling already that he's having a dream. But he goes out to his backyard and goes up into his treehouse. And then all of a sudden the treehouse is like struck by lightning and the whole thing collapses. And that's where he like wakes up. And he wakes up in bed, but when he looks outside, turns out the treehouse was actually struck by lightning. So the treehouse is all busted up. The tree that it was in is all busted as well. And there are workers in the backyard that are cleaning all of it up and they're finishing up, like chopping down the tree and everything else.
1: Yeah, they're uprooting it and everything. Um, With these opening moments, too, in this movie, um, first off, the credits immediately, I just thought Stranger Things. Yeah. is just like stranger things opening credits and so i'm sure they watch this movie but also to the like kind of dreamy nursery rhyme almost like nightmare on elm street a little bit uh, in music yeah there's
0: that weird sense of unease with like all the smoky fogginess in the house and everything too yeah
1: it, it kind of felt even a little bit tad lynchian like lynchian light but this is totally like a dream I had probably multiple times of just being in a very safe space like your home or something like that, but something is just not right. Yeah. And you can't figure out what, but you know that's not right, but yeah. Also too, like, that treehouse looks unsafe as fuck. It's just like a bunch of
0: (laughs) shitty boards just stacked together. Like, it's the crappiest treehouse I think I've ever seen. It was the 80s, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't know. Also, like, their backyard is a fucking football field like it's it's huge dude right i said i wrote the same thing down i like in my adult i just bought a house in the last year brain i was just thinking like man how much did this place cost to have a backyard that big <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's the true horror of this movie <laughs> yeah really so anyway glenn goes out to the backyard just to kind of see what the workers are doing and kind of explore a little bit and check out his busted tree house and kind of digging around the dirt he unearth earths a geode so a geode is one of those rocks that you see in like gift shops and that kind of thing where it's like a perfectly kind of round rock on the outside but on the inside it's hollow and there's like all these crystals growing in it right it's usually like an amethyst or something like that so he finds this giant geode that's uncracked it's just like this perfectly round sphere He ends up coming back outside with it with his friend Terry to just kind of check it out
1: and investigate.
0: Terry is kind of a little metal kid. He's kind of nerdy with his little nerd glasses and everything, but he's... Yeah,
1: but also hardcore as fuck. Yeah, (laughs) he's got his little denim war vest on with a killer dwarves patch on the back. I love the way he dressed. And uh, going back to the geode, a geode looks a lot like a turtle shell to me, especially when it's cracked open.
0: Yeah, and geodes are like some of that, like, super cool kid shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, as a kid, you're just, like, fascinated with, like, rocks and stuff, and geodes are one of those, like, how did all those crystals like, get inside that rock? So it's just one of those perfect, like, things in this movie for these kids to be fascinated by. Also just the idea of holes in general is kind of interesting when you're a kid so they go back out to the backyard where he found the geode and now there's just like this giant gaping hole in the backyard where the tree was i mean they pulled the whole tree up and it just kind of has turned into this sinkhole all of a sudden so they're just you know fascinated by it and they're looking down into the hole and wondering like how deep it is and yeah that's just one of those like weird things that as a kid you're just fascinated by like how deep can i dig this hole Could I dig this hole so deep that I could like make a like cool fort inside of it and like live down there (laughs) like I don't know like I was fascinated with like digging holes when I was a kid I was one of those weird kids
1: I wasn't so much uh, like into holes I didn't go through a whole phase I mean I'd be lying if I didn't find one that was fascinating when I was younger I mean sure but I definitely went through a rock crystal phase yeah hardcore rock crystal phase when I was like 10 or 11 I feel like everybody goes through a rock crystal phase
0: the difference is just you either go through it when you're a kid when it's probably appropriate or you go through it when you're an adult and either you're a geologist which is fine or you're just into crystals because you're like into that healing energy in atlantis and shit And that's
1: like you know that's where it's kind of like <laughs> sure so whatever y'all can anyone who's listening who's into that shit talk to me anytime you want because yeah, I like,
0: love hearing about it. Yeah, like, we'll we'll talk about it, but um, I'm still going to kind of just give you that dad look with an eyebrow raised and bite my lip the entire time. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'll give you about five minutes in a bar or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, tell me all about how crystals will bring forth the healing powers of Atlantis. Anyway, as they're checking out this hole, Glenn happens to, like, catch a giant splinter from some of the, like, leftover wood scraps of the tree house and uh he pulls it out and a small like drop of blood goes into the hole
1: which a splinter wouldn't fucking do that he would either like slice open his finger and like need stitches for like a wood chip to do that or it would just be like a little small splinter that was like in the surface of his skin yeah it was kind of ridiculous but you know it's it's a kid's movie kind of. Yep.
0: And um, while they're in the backyard, he happens to mention that he and his sister are, like, super into model rockets. And so that's something that Glenn and his sister, Al, short for Alexandra, um, who we haven't met yet, their kind of shared hobby is these model rockets. And he points out to Terry where they burned a hole in the roof shooting one off and how their mom and dad were <laughs> yeah. mad at them recently. Yep. But, yeah, like, man, sinkholes are terrifying. Like if we Again, like, theme of this podcast podcast. Podcast, like, why are movies scary? What scares us? Like, what kinds of things are in movies that scare us? sinkholes are terrifying like as an adult the idea of like a sinkhole just opening up and swallowing a giant chunk of your house that's kind of weirdly terrifying in kind of a cosmic unexplainable way so just the idea of like these kids having one open up in their backyard and being fascinated but like at the same time kind of like mystified and terrified by it a little bit is uh, definitely right on the money and I'll say too like these two kids I think all the kids in this movie are very solid from a performance
1: standpoint. Oh, 100%. All three of them. At Lewis Tripp that plays Terry,
0: the friend, he kind of only goes on to do the sequel to this movie and like some TV stuff here and there. And the sister doesn't do a whole lot. Stephen Dorff is really the only person that goes on to have an actual career. But he's really good for a kid his age. Very natural.
1: Line deliveries are pretty solid. He reminded me of a little bit of a more serious uh, Little Pete from Pete and Pete. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. So, Glenn's parents
0: uh let them know that they're going to be leaving town for 3 days and so they put the sister Alexandra Al in charge so she's 16 so she's a few years older and you definitely get the dynamic that the two of them Al and Glenn were both very close growing up they had a really good relationship but just naturally she's getting older she's got friends she's you know her priorities are kind of changing she's growing out of the whole model rocket phase so she's kind of wanting to do her own thing And Glenn is kind of feeling a little, you know, lonely and just kind of missing that dynamic. So, on one hand, it's like a good opportunity for them to like hang out together, but she just wants to like kind of get away. Like, she's not thrilled with the prospect of having to babysit him for the three days, and he's kind of also like not down with it because he knows that things are different. After they get done eating dinner and parents explaining that they're leaving town, the dad is putting Glenn to bed, and there's a really interesting scene where you know they're they're talking about how things have kind of changed between Glenn and Al and just that Al's growing up and people change. And he even says, you know, your friend Terry is also kind of different now. He's kind of a little weird now. He's not quite the same kid he used to be, but, you know, his mom just died recently. And so he's just having a hard time dealing with it. And this is how he's dealing with it. He's not entirely happy. He's also, like, kind of lonely. So, you know, just be a good friend to him. And that's just such a good scene to have in a kid's movie like this, where the dad is like not talking down to Glenn in any kind of way like he's just being like really straightforward with them about the situation and not like it was good parenting to be honest yeah yeah totally um, and that's the thing too like everybody kind of has one of those friends from growing up who like was kind of maybe a troublesome kid a little bit but like it was mostly just because they had kind of a rough family situation or whatever I definitely had one or two little friends like that growing up where same you know your parents were kind of iffy about you like going over to their house to hang out and they were like maybe not the best influence on you growing up that's totally relatable and everybody has
1: a friend like that growing up yeah didn't they also kind of all this took place in the context of them catching moths well they yeah they start like finding moths
0: essentially buzzing all around their house for some reason spoiler alert it's tied to the hole in the ground but Terry's just kind of being that kid where he's like oh yeah i'm gonna like kill these moths or whatever
1: yeah i wonder how long they last without air yeah, yeah they put them in yeah.
0: jars so he's just kind of being one of those kids who's a little bit you know rough like i said this scene's really good because the dad just kind of breaks everything down for him but doesn't like talk down to glenn in any way shape or form So anyway, the parents leave and immediately Al decides she's going to throw a party, which her parents told her not to do.
1: I love the scene transition too, where it's literally just like I promise I'm not going to throw a party, mom and dad. And then the scene transition is like her opening the door for a bunch of other teenagers to walk in and there's a giant party happening in the background. (laughs) And this is definitely like peak 80s party. All the patterned shirts,
0: all the giant hair, the fashion is off the chain in this party. Kind of a
1: lot like night of the creeps how like the frat guys were super super 80s it's almost like satirical how over the top it is yeah and these teenagers are the same exact way like everyone but al really just acts super obnoxious and snotty to the point where i'm pretty sure like yeah this is a joke (laughs) they're just doing this on purpose but it worked i also love Al's sweater that
0: she's wearing is basically just the, like, 90s styrofoam disposable cup pattern with the squiggle marks and the shapes, like, the geometric shapes. It reminded me of Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, she's throwing a party. And um, this is definitely like one of the more realistic parties that I've seen in a movie in a while because Al is basically just running around and like managing everyone's messes and like not actually hanging out in the party. She's just picking up junk around the house and going from spot to spot and keeping people from breaking things, which as the host of a party, like that's totally just what happens the whole time when you're having that kind of party. 100%. And again, these are all like actual teenagers, not 30-year-olds just all pretending to be teenagers so you don't have that like weird wall card dewey cox thing where it's just like yeah this is my 14 year old girlfriend
1: and they're all 30 and yeah and i mean even some of the kids like you can tell are a little bit older like maybe they're 18 because there's beer and shit all over this party so maybe there's some older like 18 year old kids but again they all look appropriate and yeah. they all look well cast Meanwhile, Glenn and Terry are up in Glenn's room, and they're kind of
0: sequestered up there while the party's going on, and they kind of start fucking around with the geode. Um, We see Terry just, like, whacking it with a hammer, but they do crack open the geode, and immediately all this smoke pours out, and all this pink light pours out of it, and the inside crystals are all glowing. Again, in, like, this weird, like, oh, that just happened to happen conveniently. Half of the geode rolls over onto a note. And like perfectly leaves this like weird sketchy writing on the notepad. So they they see that, they notice it, and they're like, okay, cool, what does it say? And so then they read these like incantations out
1: loud and don't think anything of it. Pronunciation is on point for these little kids. Yeah. And yeah, I personally think that this is just me kind of in my own head canon. That thing did it on purpose. There was, I'll chalk it up to supernatural. Like, oh yeah, totally.
0: It, it's the will of the demon hole (laughs) so they go downstairs just as the party goers are starting to like slow down right so then when they go downstairs everybody's sitting around the living room there's candles going and they're all just kind of telling spooky stories but they start to do the levitation game that inevitably happens at a lot of slumber parties and stuff so they you know initially are like yeah let's get this person up here let's try to float them oh we can't do it and then somebody looks over and says wait hey just get your brother he's really tight we can make him levitate. So they <laughs> yeah. do the whole thing where they, you know, stand over him and rub their hands together and all kind of, you know, focus their energies to get him to levitate. And they're all shocked when it, like, actually works.
1: Yeah, the teenage girl leading this, by the way, is hilarious because you could tell she's like one of those girls that's like probably way into like witchcraft or just other shit, but is trying to almost hide her excitement. Yeah, like, no, it's a cool party game. But then, like, she's legit. No, do it this way. Center. Your yourself breathe blah 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 like make sure you're focusing and then I love her line like when he levitates and all that she's just like maybe I'll never do that again yeah so he he
0: levitates but just you know Willy Wonka style just keeps going so he smashes into like the ceiling light and shatters it everywhere and then ends up falling kind of like falling to the side and like grabbing one of the uh, one of the spotlights that they have in their house up in the top corner of the ceiling and tears it out of the wall. So this kid is just like thrown around the living room ceiling and like any other 10 year old kid that just got floated by dark magic and smashed into the ceiling, he kind of starts crying and all these older teenagers start making fun of him and like, oh look at the little baby crying and of course he like runs to his bedroom, which again, you were just like thrown
1: around your living room by dark magic you'd be pretty upset and these are some cruel ass teenagers because they saw a kid literally levitate into a light yeah i would be more impressed by that i'd be like hey guys we legitimately practice magic here like is anyone going to talk about that
0: yeah and of course, Terry, his friend, is kind of in that, like, Mr. Cool stage. So he's trying to act cool and older. And so he's, he's like, trying to, like, brush it off a little bit. So that night, uh, all the teens leave from the party. And as they are sleeping, Glenn kind of, like, wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears kind of, like, this weird sound of the bug zapper in the backyard going nuts, right? And he sees his bedroom walls kind of, like, warping and stretching like something's underneath the walls. Terry also wakes up and goes out to go to the restroom and when he's walking back into the bedroom, he looks downstairs and there's like smoke and light pouring into the living room and he sees this like ghostly apparition of his mother that just died. She like walks in and she's all wearing white and she's calling him down like, you know, Terry, come see me, I missed you. And he goes down there and starts hugging her. It's like, oh mom, I missed you too. And it's like this really sad kind of a moment with this kid that's been like dealing with this parent death and then all of a sudden the scene like snaps too and all the like smoke and everything goes away and the lights kind of come back on and it's Glenn and Al's giant sheepdog Angus that he's hugging all of a sudden. Terry freaks out because all of a sudden his mom turned into this dog and he throws the dog off and the dog hits the floor and he realizes oh the dog is dead.
1: Yeah. so chalk it up another fucking dead pet in a horror movie. <laughs> ding 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 I, I swear, there's we've had to have covered at least seven or eight movies now that yeah. straight murdered a pet for no reason. I told you, man, it's trope. But yeah, no, talk about a really creepy situation you walk into. And I mean, shit, I'll admit, I had these kind of weird thoughts like as a kid of just what if this happened when I got up to use a bathroom at like two in the morning? I don't want to leave my bedroom. I want to hold it in, but I really have to pee. And, like, what if I just walk down the hallway and see this ghostly apparition of, like, my dead grandmother go to hug her and it's our fucking dog and the dog just keels over, like... And to a degree as well,
0: it's also, like, that whole mentality is also amplified when you're staying at, like, a friend's house. Absolutely. Where you're you're definitely, like, out of your element and you feel like there could be weirdness happening in the dark in the middle of the night that you're going to be privy to just because you're, like, the outsider there. So, the next day... Terry goes back to his house and the house is trashed like it's it's full of like garbage and fast food bags and pizza boxes because his dad has just been falling apart since his mother died and his dad is clearly like not handling the situation well and he's just left a note on the refrigerator that just says yo I'm leaving on business so uh, dot 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 take care of yourself I guess so Terry just kind of looks around and is like you know what just, yeah, fuck this. We then cut to Alan Glenn's house and some of Al's party friends show back up. So Glenn's eating breakfast that morning. Al's friends show up and kind of tell her like, hey, we're all going to the beach today. You want to come hang out with us? And she says, no, I need to watch my brother. I'm supposed to stay here. And they, you know, just peer pressure her into going. Basically, they say, we're going to go by the mall first and we're going to go to the beach all day. It's going to be a blast. OK.
1: And you can tell she's reluctant, not even just from a I, if I do this, I could get in trouble, but i almost just like also a well i am abandoning my brother and he legitimately wishes i could stay here yeah sort of feeling she is the appropriate amount of responsible i would think of a responsible 16 year old one that sometimes does crack under peer pressure and does some teenage stuff like we all have done but at the end of the day has a good heart and like knows right from wrong um, and she kind of knows what she's doing is sort of wrong
0: yeah From there, it cuts back to Terry. Terry is at his house and he's listening to a metal album and just jamming the fuck out. Like he is jumping on the bed and
1: air guitaring everywhere. Total like release of stress. Yeah, I feel like just yeah, fuck the world. Time to put on some heavy ass music and thrash. And it's hilarious because as much as we're just like, yeah, it's like heavy shit. It's like the most Spinal
0: Tap, Stonehenge. Oh yeah. Like, it's,
1: in the time such of the Dark Lords, there was d- d- uh, darkness everywhere. It's, like, it's just the most
0: corny, goofy music. But he's singing along with it, lip-syncing, and he, like, throws a blanket over his head to act like a cloak whenever it gets to the goofy stone part. So he's definitely, like, having a blast, but then all of a sudden, he starts to kind of hear all this weirdness in this album. He's starting to hear, like, the incantations that they spoke the night before, and he he starts looking through like the album itself and like the the liner notes and stuff and it's all this like dark book and then all of a sudden like a light bulb kind of goes off right so tipper gore was right there's demons in the metal
1: (laughs) yeah like this is totally just a complete parody of satanic panic heavy metal (laughs) like this is if you gave somebody like okay we're making a horror movie someone who had no knowledge of what heavy metal was and what they thought heavy metal was like make a song like that and we'll put it in our movie
0: okay yeah Again, Al's friends basically like peer pressure her into leaving, even though Glenn is still kind of shook up from the night before and all the weirdness and the dog dying. One of Al's friends basically volunteers to bring the dog's dead body to the animal shelter. Um she doesn't really know what to do with it. And like you said, you know, I'm glad that Al is not necessarily being antagonistic toward Glenn. Like she cares about him and wants to spend time with him, but she's just figuring out her teen life stuff. So after she leaves, Glenn and being a sad boy and looking through a photo album with all the pictures of like him and his sister hanging out and then pictures of him and the dog. And he reaches under his bed and pulls out, like, a gift-wrapped box, right? And he opens it, and it's, like, a new model rocket that was definitely, like, meant for Al for her birthday. And it's one that has, like, a new electronic, like, ignition trigger and all this other stuff. So, again, he hears the bug zapper in the backyard kind of going nuts again. And he leaves his room, goes out in the backyard, and the giant hole that the workers had filled in is now back all of a sudden, and it's even bigger, right? So this just sinkhole that's, you know, opened up has completely swallowed the yard again. Terry shows up at the house. They go look at the even now bigger hole, and Terry just kind of looks at him and just says, I know what all this means. You've got demons.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and like of course Glenn is like, Shut the fuck up, Terry. Yeah. But but he's like, No, seriously, dude, like you need a drop of blood. You remember you got the splinter and yeah, there's this geode see here on the picture of this album artwork. There's a geode over the demon king's head, and it's like, dude, they totally summon a demon because like after they recorded this album, they all died mysteriously in a plane crash. That's the only album they ever made. Yeah. Like, all this all this stuff.
0: They cover the like hole with this one big giant Chunk of the busted treehouse, like one of the walls is just laying there, so they just drag it over the hole in the meantime. And Terry, like, opens up the heavy metal album to show Glenn, and it's a fake band called Sacrifix, and it's Sacrifix with a Y that's how you know they're like hardcore (laughs)
1: fucking love that name
0: (laughs) yeah Terry's dad apparently like got the album like in Europe in air quotes right so he's like yeah the band like wrote the lyrics based on the dark book okay what's the dark book And you know he says it's basically like the bible for demons and of course this is like conveniently like you said the band's only album and the band immediately died afterward in a plane crash you know so he says like oh yeah they were trying to warn us about the dangers of demons but like Like, it's kind of like fucking D.A.R.E. Growing up. (laughs) They, like, all but smoke the drugs for you. You know what I mean? So if the whole thing is just, oh, man demons are dangerous stay away from them definitely make sure that you don't find a geode definitely make sure that you don't put blood inside of this hole definitely make sure you don't say these words that we have printed here like it's just all the step by steps of what to do to summon demons but you know okay sure and he says you know the stars have to be in a certain alignment for the gate to open and Terry says will i checked and it's
1: like now. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> A, okay, A, this is pre-internet. Yeah. No internet access. How did this kid find f- out all f- this bullshit? Yeah. yeah how the fuck? Uh, I understand how he figured out all the other bullshit just, like, out of the album artwork and the album sleeve. Yeah, okay, sure. But how the fuck did he know, like, this is the exact date of the astrological alignment of yeah. everything that needs to happen for us to summon demons? <laughs> yeah, well, I checked. This farmer's almanac? Like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So anyway, yeah, kind of in the middle of them going through all this, Al's friend, it's this boy that she's kind of into the one that took the dog's body to the animal shelter he gets the animal shelter and it's closed so he's just like oh i don't know what the fuck to do so he just turns back around and goes back to their house and he goes sorry buddy
1: yeah just looks at the dead dog corpse like literally just hanging out on his front seat half covered in a blanket like what the fuck yeah so he gets back to their house and it's just
0: like well what do i do and okay well the door's locked uh i'm just gonna go put this dog in the backyard and just throw it down that fucking hole that's in y'all's backyard. So, he does. He just goes and, like, chucks it in the hole, covers the hole in again, and, you know, leaves. So, we see him, like, dust his dirty hands off and drive away. So, you know, we go back to Terry and Glenn, and Terry, again, conveniently explains that, like, they've already done, like, 90% of the steps needed to open this demon gate. You know, they said the words, they cracked the geo, they dropped the blood in the hole, blah, 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 right? All that's needed is a sacrifice. Dun, 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 right? So, the dog body is now, like, dumped into the hole, which
1: completes the summoning. He conveniently says, like, it doesn't even have to be a person. It can be an animal. Yeah. (laughs) But we don't have to worry about that, because we haven't done a sacrifice.
0: Yeah. And he says, you know, everything's gonna be okay, because the band also, like, put the instructions on how to close the gate, and it's, like, hidden in the album. And if you play the record backwards, it'll give you the instructions. And so, of course, they, like, you know, just turn it with their fingers and listen to it, and it's just more like incantation nonsense so again like Tipper Gore was right but you know the hidden message was helpful this time I guess it shows you like how to close the demon hole so I don't know anyway the boys go outside to like close the hole so they like wrote down what the new incantation was and they're like saying the words with all this conviction right when Al shows back up and she's just like what the fuck are y'all doing like why are y'all fucking around with this hole still and they're like no no, no there's like a demon hole and you all this like weird stuff's happening and we're like we're like closing the demon hole and they lift up the chunk of the treehouse, and the holes magically filled in because yep. Al's friend put the dog in there and filled it back up so they think oh yeah cool that fucking worked we did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Al reveals that like she didn't end up going to the beach with her friends because she spent all of her money at the mall on a new rocket for them to launch so there's kind of this like aww scene while she and Glenn have like matching rocket hobby jackets they're like members only jackets with like rocket
1: patches all over them that they like put on to, like put their little rocket together. I feel like it's one of those things where like you mail in or you order something from like a catalog for a rocket and yeah. they send you this cool <laughs> exclusive club jacket and while they're putting this little
0: rocket kit together Terry is just casually reading more of the liner notes in this album with all these like woodblock kind of old school etchings of all the different demons and all this other stuff and he you know reveals that the demons need two human souls once they're loose in order to like create the new hell on earth you know how convenient and so you know they launch their little rocket it shoots up in the air and over that you just hear this 80 yard line of glenn just going that's
1: the best you know what that line is the best (laughs) This, this scene was so endearing yeah and delightful and everything
0: So, that night, they're all kind of hanging out eating, and Al's friends show up again, and they're like, oh yeah, we also didn't go to the beach, we're going to have a slumber party here instead. And then it cuts to the two boys, like, digging through a closet for some reason. Like, it doesn't really explain why. They're just, like, in a closet, like, digging through all kinds of stuff. They find the dad's shotgun, which immediately Terry's just like, oh, fucking cool, a shotgun. And he's like, you know, Glenn's like, no, put that down, you dumbass. And they find, like, this really big rocket that was like a sentimental rocket to Glenn and Al's like the silver nitro or whatever. While they're in the closet, the girls find them and kind of immediately start teasing them, but this is where like Glenn has one of the best put-down lines I've ever heard.
1: What'd you do to your face? None of your beeswax, four eyes. I think it's a definite improvement. <laughs> Eat <laughs> your feet, dwarf. Suck my nose till my head caves in. Why yeah. don't you grow up? <laughs> yeah. And she kind of doesn't know how to respond to him. Yeah. Like she throws a weak ass reply and then he just grills her again. Yeah. And then Al finally steps in and tells them both to shut the fuck up. Yeah. It was pretty great. So, anyway, everybody is now kind of
0: drifting off to sleep for the night. The two boys are upstairs and they're kind of just chit chatting. And, you know, Glenn's like, yeah, do you ever think you wanted like a sister or a brother? And Terry says, oh, not really. Fuck that noise. Glenn's like laying on the bed. He's still reading, like, like the liner notes from the sacrifix album. And there's a page that he gets to where he sees like a woodblock print that's just this guy sitting on the ground with his like leg chopped off by all these little bitty demons. And the guy's hands are out just like, oh well (laughs) <laughs> lost my leg and glenn says oh minions great which today that's like a totally different context because now when you hear somebody say oh minions you're just like oh god damn it you just think of those fucking yellow things
1: well i mean they may as well be little minion demons <laughs> but uh i love too that like that album artwork because it just reminds me of all those classical art memes you see all the time now yeah it's just, like <laughs> a guy like shr- looking like he's shrugging with a sword going into his head he's like Oh well, guess I have a headache now
0: (laughs) Oh god That night, once they're asleep Glenn's bedroom window Starts kind of like rattling from all these moths And he wakes up And there's just like a shit ton of moths at the window all of a sudden And the window explodes explodes into the room and all these moths fly in and swarm around him he kind of like runs out into the hallway wakes up his sister she comes in sees all the glass everywhere and it's like oh man this is a mess this is nuts pretty cool friend move there leaving terry in there (laughs) yeah so they go to wake up terry and they're like shaking him and he's just kind of like oh no and as they're shaking him terry walks up behind them and says hey guys what are y'all doing and they're like "What?" what And they look down again, they like pull the covers off where they thought Terry was and it's Angus's corpse in the bed so once again fucking dead dog corpse to traumatize
1: us (laughs) yeah seriously and they don't give you a fucking second to breathe either because then it immediately goes into a jump scare where a fucking demon hand comes from underneath the bed and grabs Al by the ankle and starts like trying to drag her under and it's
0: a great jump scare too because you have that immediately and they're struggling to like pull Al away from the bed and break away from all the demon arms that are trying to drag her under and once they break away and they get to the door, all of a sudden this one like super fucking long demon arm shoots out from the bed and like reaches 10 feet across the room and grabs her again. So that's like a great double jump scare all said a sudden done. But yeah, they run out. Al's friends are also awake now because they hear all the screaming. And they all run downstairs and go to the front door. And as soon as they open the front door, they see Glenn and Al's parents standing outside and again it's kind of weird dream like there's like fog everywhere and the parents are like wearing all white and they're just like hey kids how are y'all um, so Glenn runs to his dad and it's like oh yeah dad glad you're here oh my god all this weird shit's been happening and he jumps up into his dad's arms and all of a sudden his dad's just like ha 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 laughing and then it just melts and turns immediately and she's just like you were bad <laughs> and yeah. he just starts fucking strangling the shit out of Glenn and while Glenn is like kicking and thrashing with his dad strangling him he like is pushing his hands against his dad's face to get away and all of a sudden his hands just mush into his dad's face and his eyes and his dad's face just collapses and just starts spraying like milky gooey mush everywhere and
1: then eventually like the entire head like falls off and just splats on the sidewalk and as he's like running away from all this his mom is just cackling demonically the entire time so
0: yeah again like talk about Of fucking kinder trauma where your parents show up and you think you're safe and all of a sudden your dad starts to strangle you and then his
1: head turns to mush and falls off I mean yeah these were pretty solid scares for most age groups I felt like but yeah definitely as a kid this is pretty traumatic
0: so Glenn barely gets away and they go back inside and you know shut the door and then all of a sudden the parents are gone they like look through the front windows again they're just not there so it was all just an illusion so they decide to go out the backyard. So Al says, you know, I'll go out first and I'll check it out. So she goes out there with a flashlight and once she's kind of deep into the yard, all these little minion demons start popping up and they are kind of swarming like all around her and she doesn't really see them in the darkness, but they see them. One like jumps up into the window and scares her two friends and these little dudes, they're like little potato monsters. I don't know, they're like little naked mole, tiny potato monsters dudes and they're all kind of swarming around so they, Al runs back inside, they slam the door one of the little demon arms gets caught in the door and breaks off and like immediately just kind of melts and turns into like a bunch of
1: mush and the mush like sentiently like blah, 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 like little blobs out the door these little demons, they aren't really particularly scary but no, they do kind of look goofy to be honest but it's a pretty solid scene I, I, I was having a blast at this point yeah cause this is where it just becomes a roller coaster the whole rest of the way so it just becomes like a bunch of
0: fun set pieces but the little minion special effects are really solid because there's a lot of forced perspective camera work that's going on some of it's claymation like there's some like claymation elements and there's some moments where it is clearly just like a tiny little like rubber doll thing but for the most part it's all forced perspective which is how they shot a lot of the stuff in the original Lord of the Rings movies to create the like size effects between like Ian McKellen as full-size Gandalf and then Elijah Wood as Tiny Hobbit. They basically just pull that camera trick where Ian McKellen is sitting a lot closer to the camera and then Elijah Wood is sitting way further back, but then when you shoot them both in focus at the right angle, it just makes it look like Elijah Wood's a lot smaller. So they were doing the same thing here where the like minion demons are all just these dudes in these like rubber monster suits running around, but they just shot them at a like, much further distance in focus focus to make it look like they're tiny. So it's a very, very solid effect the way that they put the whole thing together. So anyway, now that they're all back inside in the kitchen, you know, they can't leave the front door the front door and the back door both blocked. Um, one of the friends is like, just call the police. And immediately the phone rings and Al goes, picks up the phone and again it's the demon dad voice being like, oh, you were bad. And the phone, like the receiver fucking bursts into flames yeah. and the like main part part of the phone just melts all over the place. So now, they, again, they can't escape, there's no way to call out, and they're just
1: stuck. That scene reminded me of another, like, this would happen in Nightmare on Elm Street in the middle of a dream. And there is totally that part in the original one where, like, she's on the phone and Freddy's tongue and mouth yeah. comes out of the phone receiver. <laughs> so, yeah, that scene was hilarious. So And the way the the effects on the phone melting, like, when the camera goes back to the phone actually on the wall and it's just melting. That one's pretty good. Pretty damn good effects for Late 80s. Now that they're
0: kind of stuck. Harry basically convinces everyone that like, okay, do y'all believe us now? It's fucking demons. (laughs) We need to close the demon gate. And the album that has the incantations to close the gate is like down the basement. We need to go get it. So they all go down there as a group. They got to get the dark book that has the incantations in it, right? So they get the album, but as soon as they open the gatefold, it just bursts into flames and the whole album is now just ashes, so then they're like okay well, what do we do now and somebody has the bright idea of just I don't know like let's just read the Bible Adam that'll work <laughs> yeah. they dig out a Bible and Al's two friends are like we'll find a verse we went to Sunday school yeah. so they get the Bible and they all get some flashlights and candles and they go back out into the backyard Al's friends get scared so they run back inside and they go hide so Al and Terry and Glenn all go to the giant hole now is like glowing with pink neon lights and there's smoke drifting out which pink neon lights is like my favorite neon lights for horror movies during the 80s for sure. Absolutely. 100%. So Terry starts reading I had to look it up. Apparently it's like Psalms like 59 and 58. Yeah
1: it's Psalm 59. So the
0: hole starts to close up like all the smoke that's around starts to just get sucked back into the hole and all this like detritus and junk laying around starts to get sucked into and it starts to kind of close up. And right as it's starting to work, Glenn says like, hey, step back, man. Be careful. You're getting really close to the edge. And Terry's like, no, be fine. And immediately slips and falls into the fucking hole. So now that he's down at the bottom. Pretty deep hole too, by the way. Yeah, it's it's like a hundred feet deep down. It's like cavernous. In reality, he'd be
1: unconscious or dead or really injured.
0: So he falls down into the hole and it's kind of like a cave on the inside. There's like all these little like nooks and crannies and stuff and root sticking out everywhere um, and while he's down there all the little minion critters start to just pop up out of nowhere and I love the first one that jumps out it's just like hey and they kind of pauses for a minute and,
1: and it jumps up close to him and she goes hey and Terry says hi hey <laughs> it's just like yeah, a weird like, moment kind of like waves a little bit at it yeah and then as
0: soon as that happens another one just jumps out and bites the fuck out of Terry's leg
1: <laughs> and then they start just
0: biting his neck and his shoulder and shit yeah so he's got all these little like potato minions attacking him Glenn and Al are like trying to get him out he starts climbing up the sides of the hole and they eventually get the rope from the rope swing that was there and feed it down and he gets pulled up while Al is pulling him up Glenn starts reading from the Bible again and the hole does start to kind of close up and Terry's like don't fucking do that man it's making him mad stop another cool friend moment my yeah. friend's still in the hole may start reading again. So they eventually like pull him out of the hole and Tara's like, all right, give me this Bible. And he just like flips through it, and goes right to the beginning. and just starts reading from Genesis one. It's just like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's just like, oh shit. And just fucking yeets the Bible into the hole. Yeah. I just love that he's like I don't know what I'm doing just like fuck it just like throws fuck the entire throw bible it. into the hole which then like causes giant fire explosion and you know everything gets sucked back in and then it seals it up so it seems to have worked and it kind of you know blows all of them back and it fades to black when it fades back in they all kind of wake up The hole is all filled in. They think they did it. All the lights are back on in the house. You know, so like all's good. They get up. They're all psyched up. They go back in. Al's friends are all like hiding in the pantry and they have giant garlic bulb necklaces that they're all wearing, which who the fuck has that much fresh garlic at any point in time? Like I get it. Like it's just a movie thing of like the garlic necklaces like you would do for vampires. But my wife and I hobby cook like we cook for real. Yeah, y'all do. We never have that much fucking garlic later around
1: because it's going to go bad nobody does yeah yeah
0: Yeah, this is like this is like 60 bulbs of garlic so anyway they were all hiding they kind of look around and al notices like oh shit the front door is open and so she starts like walking through the living room and going to the front door and right as she kind of gets to the front door boo the guy friends from the party jump out of the closet and scare her and so there's kind of this awkward moment that Al has where her friends are like, oh yeah, we invited the guys over. Whoops, they're here to party now. And the guys are just like, oh yeah, we're here to hang out. And Al just kind of has to have this moment where she tells them like, look, I am not in the mood to party. Some bad shit's been going down. Nobody asked y'all to come over. Just leave. Take a shit. Go. That is what it is. And her friends are kind of giving her shit about it a little bit. So they all leave. And again, seems like everything's back to normal. So, Al and the boys are kind of like, all right, what do we do next? We need to go to bed. It's almost dawn. We need to kind of clean the house up before mom and dad get home. And the two boys are just like, no, nah, fuck it, man. Like, I'm not going to bed. Like, I'm not going to bed at all after that crazy. So, if we're just stepping, let's just watch TV. Yeah. So, they go down into the basement, which is kind of like a rec room where they have the TV and everything set up. They're tossing the geode around still. And then... All of a sudden, the like wall breaks open, and this corpse just. falls through the wall like falls through the drywall and it's just like hanging there
1: now to back up some yeah. earlier in the movie terry when he's kind of poking fun at glenn um i'm not exactly when but it's early on like when they're in the backyard for the first time or whenever and he is telling glenn that like oh yeah your house they say that a construction worker died while they were building the house and instead of burying him or anything they just put him in the wall of your house and there's totally a dead construction worker in the wall of your house yeah it's it even gets brought up one more time, I think, when Glenn is having that scene with his dad before his parents leave. That I think that's
0: where it comes up because he just says, like, Terry told me that this thing happened, and his dad's like, Well, Terry's kind of going through some shit right now, so
1: Terry is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it's it's very much like a throwaway line early in the movie, but this is kind of where it's it's happening, which I don't know about you, but this was definitely one of those like kid urban legend things that I grew up hearing a lot. Like I Definitely had people growing up that were just, oh yeah, like I heard that like the apartment complex or like the projects that these people live in, like one of the workers died and his like body's there, and every time that you hear like a weird knocking or like scratching in the wall, it's just that dead worker guy coming to get you. Like that was always a thing that we would tease each other about growing up, and it was just one of those urban that was definitely prevalent in my school growing up.
1: Yeah, I mean variations of it, but yeah, for the most part, definitely that type of story all the time. Again, we've got this like middle age dead corpse
0: zombie guy and he's now just half hanging out of the wall through this giant hole
1: in the drywall. I love one of the lines too because they're all screaming like what the hell is this what's going on and at one point Glenn's like it's the the construction worker and Terry's like I just made that story up to mess with you.
0: Yeah. So they kind of go over to like investigate and immediately the corpse comes to life and starts like zombie moaning and grabs Terry and like pulls him into the hole in the wall and the wall just magically like seals up you know like as soon as like as soon as glenn runs over there and gets there the wall is just back to normal and he hears terry
1: like freaking out and screaming like in the wall i will say glenn and al had plenty opportunity to grab terry or fight this monster thing to get him away yeah (laughs) <laughs> and they just fucking watched like a yeah. pretty cool
0: friend moment. So Al is like upstairs and she's trying on clothes and she's doing her hair and stuff and looking in the mirror.
1: Oh, that's right. It was just, it was just Glenn, but still Glenn had a yeah. opportunity to help.
0: Glenn starts running upstairs. He like runs out of the basement and he goes to like run upstairs where Al is in her bedroom and there's all of a sudden like all these weird symbols drawn all over the walls of like the staircase and it looks like it's all drawn in blood um and he's like struggling to get up the stairs because now all of a sudden there's like all this crazy wind blowing inside the house and the staircase is crumbling and like falling apart behind him and al again is like brushing her hair and looking in a mirror in her bedroom and all of a sudden there's like this reflection like this hazy reflection of the construction worker corpse that like shows up in the mirror behind her and she doesn't notice it at first but then it like kind of comes back and she sees it and she turns around nothing is there, and she, like, looks around, and it's still there, and she freaks out, and she runs to the bedroom door, opens it, and immediately Glenn is also there, just like, oh god, oh god, this all this crazy stuff happened, and as soon as that happens, boom, the construction
1: worker, like, busts through the mirror, shatters the mirror, and, like, steps through the mirror into the room. Yeah, I was gonna back up one thing, when uh, he was running up the stairs, I think this was the part two, where he runs by, like, a family photo, and now the family photo just shows, like, all of them dead, like with their throat slit and bleeding. Yeah. Did you catch that part? I thought that was a nice I think that was actually like when they first went down in the
0: basement earlier. Yeah. But yeah, there's like lots of little details that they kind of show you throughout the movie where the house is like slightly different than it was.
1: And honestly, if I saw this when I was younger, that little small detail probably would have been the one thing that like scared me the most, despite everything else that happens in this movie. They pass through it and there was like one little shot that calls attention to it where it's just like, oh, it's a normal family photo. And then they pass by it again, and now it's, like, all fucked up and stuff. Yeah. So. The whole
0: family's, like, dead and blood and gory and just, you know, everybody's, like, gross except for Glenn. So, yeah, the construction worker breaks through the mirror and is starting to come toward him. And I love that, like, Al's first impulse is grab giant stereo boombox sitting on her desk and just fucking heave it at his head. So she throws this stereo at his head. It smacks him. He's kind of dead and the construction worker guy falls forward just like straight bored like falls forward and as soon as he hits the floor he explodes into like a dozen of the little minion like potato demons and they're all kind of running around so Al and Glenn like run out the bedroom they slam the door shut Al is holding the bedroom door shut Glenn goes downstairs and runs back into the closet to find their dad's shotgun for earlier. He goes in the closet and while he's digging through the closet to find the gun, all of a sudden, Terry's head pops out of a garment bag and it's like an evil version of Terry with more pointy teeth and he's got like big bags under his eyes and scars and he just bites down on Glenn's hand and won't let go.
1: So this was a legitimate jump scare for Oh, me. that one got you? Okay. Yeah, this one was the one that got me. It was legitimately like, whoa, alright, that happened. <laughs> so yeah,
0: he's got his hand like being bitten by this weird version of Terry's head that's coming out of like a garment bag in the closet Al basically like runs downstairs to go help him which means then that the little Munion demons you know leave the bedroom so she runs down to help him she's trying to pull him away but then ends up looking around finds a box of old toys and picks up a Barbie doll and just starts stabbing the weird evil Terry head with the Barbie doll and there's this one one shot of him with the Barbie doll's leg just jammed into his eye socket and his head's like freaking out. Yeah. And she like goes to stab again and all of a sudden the head just like whoosh disappears and is gone. Again, it was just like an illusion. So all the little minion demons are now downstairs. Yeah, because they they board themselves up into the yeah. closet. They shut the closet door and all the little minion demons are like trying to get underneath.
1: And they get the gun and they're trying to get it ready. They're trying to get it loaded. Yeah. All of a sudden the construction
0: worker guy breaks through the wall in the closet and like pushes his way through all the clothes to get him and Al immediately just blasts him in the face with a shotgun and it kind of stuns him a little bit and then he kind of shakes it off and looks down and now like half of his face is blown away and it's skull with like an empty eye socket but he grabs Al and she's screaming and he just drags her away back into like the darkness of the clothes and again just disappears. The wall's up and everything's just back to a normal closet again.
1: That dude got taken out by a stereo being thrown at his face. (laughs) I think a point blank shotgun blast would have wasted that guy. Yeah. So Glenn is now all alone and he realizes and like
0: of course it's a movie so he like says this aloud but he's like oh yeah Terry and
1: Al. Oh no the two human sacrifices that would fully open the gate. And he starts even despairing a little bit because he's like this is kind of all my fault. Yeah. And then he kind of another kind of jump and again he's like self-narrating so you're following along because earlier in the movie terry mentioned that one of the ways to stop the rise of the old gods and the demons is using a symbol of love light and purity yeah (laughs) so i'll let you continue and so conveniently enough he like picks up this little like
0: hand-drawn birthday card in the closet with happy birthday Al and it has the little rocket that he gave her for her birthday and he's like yeah there we go love purity and light (laughs) this rocket that's what's gonna like stave off the rise of the old gods the power of gift giving (laughs) yeah yeah so he runs back upstairs to go get the other rocket. As he's making his way there, he jumps over the ruins of the living room floor. All the living room floor just like caves in. There's a giant chasm again, another giant sinkhole that's like right in the middle of the living room. And he's like kind of making his way through the ruins of the stairwell. And he finally gets up there, and there's all this wind blowing. So he gets upstairs and he gets to the rocket. And all of a sudden like he starts just getting like pulled there's this wind and like this force that just starts like sucking him out into the middle of the house again where the giant new holes opened up and all of a sudden this giant master demon comes up through the giant hole in the floor imagine like a giant buff as fuck like ripped snake monster. Yeah. It's, it's like the body of a giant snake with giant like muscles and then like two little bitty baby arms on his chest yeah. as well. So it's got yeah. like four arms and then like a weird like almost like horse shaped lizard head with four eyes and four ears. So it's just this kind of weird Lovecraftian monster.
1: The face is a little bit reminiscent of kind of like the potato minion monsters, but this one's a little more like snake like serpent-like yeah. And uh, there was more detail put into this monster to make it at least look somewhat terrifying as opposed to the minions. But I did love uh, another little shot that's included when this thing is rising out of the ground. All the little little demons are around the hole like cheering as yeah. it's rising up. And I that made me laugh. Yeah, they're all just like looking into the hole and they're all just like jumping up and down like,
0: yeah, he's coming. So anyway, this giant master demon thing is kind of just observing Glenn with curiosity and Glenn, like, gets up and tries to run away, and it just immediately like, smashes his hand through the railing of the balcony and just, you know, blocks his path and then, like, with his other hands he reaches out and, like, gently, like, puts his hand on the top of Glenn's head and kind of pats his head, and picks him up by the hand so Glenn is, like, literally hanging by his hand, this demon thing has just picked him up like a little bug, essentially and just kind of looks at him and is just like whatever, and drops him down.
1: Pats him on the head like, that-a-boy, too. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, you know, eh, whatever, you're
0: beneath me. And the giant demon thing just like, okay, bye, and like, whoop goes back into the giant hole
1: again and some of the like smaller details that you're noticing too and I did appreciate this is like while this is all going on anytime there's a shot to the sky or through a window you're seeing more and more of like the sky turn red and more storm like and everything's kind of getting more and more fucked like there's a giant tornado vortex forming over the house and it's getting bigger well yeah Glenn sees that
0: now so he gets up after this demon thing has disappeared because now everything's just like quiet all of a sudden So, firstly, Glenn, like, looks at his hand, because his hand kind of feels weird. The hand that the demon grabbed him by. He looks at his hand, and there's a fucking eyeball in the palm of his hand that's just you know blinking and all gross and everything so glenn's of course freaked up by that you know so he goes back into his bedroom now and he's just like defeated doesn't know what to do everything is going to shit around him his sister's gone his best friend's gone he's all alone and he looks out like you said the window and just sees now there's like this giant black tornado of evil that's blasting out of the hole in the backyard and just swirling into the air and creating like a giant vortex of evil up in the sky immediately. Like he kind of gets his courage back and he throws something through the window and just starts yelling at the demon. Hey fucker, like come back, take me instead. And he's just challenging this demon. Nothing's happening. And so he kind of looks around and sees all the glass from the window breaking earlier, takes a shard of glass And just... Stabs the eyeball in his hand to get the demon's attention. Talk about metal. Yeah. And of course he immediately is just like, ah, and just this little 10-year-old kid just like screaming as he stabbed an eyeball in his hand. Fucking metal as hell. <laughs> yeah, a little hardcore kid. This catches the demon's attention. So immediately, like, the whole room begins to like swirl around. Like all the stuff in the room starts spinning around, the giant vortex. Like the mattress flies off the bed, and all of his toys and everything are spinning around. It's as soon as the mattress like flies off the moment earlier where he finds the wrapped birthday present for Al, that new fancy rocket with the electronic trigger, he finds it and it's like, Oh yeah, cool. I can launch the rocket. So he gets it and he climbs down the broken staircase, starts putting together the big like silver rocket, silver mega rocket or whatever it was called.
1: Yeah. And it's like a battery launcher, right?
0: The new one is. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's put together this giant rocket and all of a sudden the big giant demon like comes back through the hole
1: i heard you fucked up my eye
0: <laughs> yeah so glenn is like trying to light it with matches and it's not working so he gets the battery powered launcher one and fires the rocket directly into the demon's torso and it like completely seals up into the demon's chest and the demon like starts to kind of like be confused and then you see light kind of starting to like bust through his chest and all of a sudden just the whole thing explodes.
1: And that's the power of love. Basically yeah. (laughs) The explosion is
0: insane because it literally blasts Glenn all the way through the house and out the front door and it's just this like fake kid body like spit Bending, like head over feet just like. <laughs>
1: flying into the front yard. Yeah. (laughs) Like, flying yards into the yard. Like, no way a human would survive this. And
0: once he, like, lands in the front yard, he looks back at the house, and there's, like, this big explosion going through the roof of the house, and all these little balls of light shooting out, and then all these fireworks start going off over the house. And he's just like, yeah, we did it. And I love the moment right when he launches the rocket, like, right when he fires it, everything's like super intense and all the stuff swirling around and the demon monster's growling and he hits the button and just says happy birthday al the rocket takes off and that's one of those like stupid movie tropes that I fucking love is just that like kill line right before somebody like hits the button on a rocket launcher or like shoots a grenade launcher or something like that it's just that like Arnold Schwarzenegger's fuck moment of just my
1: favorite moment of that trope is when uh, an Independence Day when that guy kamikazes his plane into the weak point he goes guess what boys I'm back and then blows up the ship you know it is it's cliche like you said but i fucking love it too it just makes me so hype oh yeah just anytime that that happens in a movie like arnold throwing a
0: machete into that guy pegging into the wall and just be like stick around like all that kind of stupid <laughs> stuff like I, I love that so yeah just like happy birthday al Rocket. Anyway, yeah. So he's blasted out to the front lawn. Demon monster is killed. So he gets up and like dusts himself off, and all of a sudden, like all the chaos that was going around on the outside, you know, all the darkness and all the weird red light and the giant tornado vortex, all that like clears up. And it's this perfect dawn with the sun rising and the happy music and everything's kinda going back to normal.
1: I'd like to point out too that they are in the middle of a suburb. (laughs) Yeah, this is totally suburbs. And they like they're setting this up because like as he goes back to the house, the house is a wreck. So like it happened. It wasn't all just like oh he killed the demon and everything went back to normal. Like no, there's all the shit that happened in the house is still there. It's a wreck. So if that's the case, then that means everyone was seeing like this ungodly vortex of evil and the sky turn red. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's totally the same situation as Poltergeist, which we are definitely gonna do later. But it's the same situation as Poltergeist. Where like by the end, everybody in the suburb has should know that this is going on (laughs) and they see it all happening right anyway glenn wanders back in and just as he gets inside he again kind of has this moment of sadness because now the house is empty and it's wrecked the little closet door right at the front of the house opens up and Angus comes back out and Angus the dog is like yeah. back alive again yeah fuck yeah man didn't actually kill the dog and then all of a sudden like right behind the dog comes Terry and Al and they're also totally fine again so all the kids go and like sit on the front stoop and like you just said immediately all of them are just like oh shit what do we tell mom and dad oh I don't know we'll <laughs> figure it out <laughs> and then it
1: just kind of zooms out and you see the house and boom like there we go credits everything's good they say there was a nice touch too because it zooms out and it shows where the hole is and it's covered again and there's now like a plant sprouting out of it. Yeah, there's like a new like tree growing where the old tree was. So Yeah. Yep, yep. That's the gate
0: good kid horror movie starter with some genuine fun stuff in it. So even jump scared your boy here. So but yeah like what a good again just like pastiche of all the like things that we're fascinated by when we're kids and all the dumb like urban legend things that we talk about to scare each other kind of like all rolled into one movie. And like I said, this is totally like if you took a bunch of kids and said, We want y'all to like write a story, like write a horror movie of like some bad dreams that you had like this is all the like kid logic stuff absolutely that you would put together to make a movie
1: it's so fascinating to me that because this was made in the late 80s and even then in the late 80s it seemed like it was a love letter to like all those childhood urban legends you make up And so it's just so fascinating to me that this is such a universal theme that has gone across generations. I'm sure even today, kids that are 10 or 11 are making shit up. And, you know, it's evolves with the times because like now you have internet creepy pastas that are popping up, but I'm sure they're still also sharing neighborhood urban legends wherever they're growing up.
0: Yeah. And the writer, Michael Nankin, apparently like he said, he took a lot of things from his childhood and worked them into the action. Story of this one. It's like a lot of the like kid. Specific things that they're fascinated by, like the geode and the hole and everything. That was all stuff from his childhood. He apparently, like, actually had a friend named Terry. So, there was like a lot of things that he specifically pulled from for this movie. So, yeah, it's definitely a really solid, fun roller coaster kind of movie that incorporates a little bit of everything, but there's good atmosphere. There's good dread. The special effects are fun. It does get fairly intense from like a special effects, not really gore, because it's like, demon goop more than anything but all that stuff is just like really solid and fun. The kids are definitely relatable but they're not like annoying necessarily. Al's friends are annoying teenagers but the three main kids are like really solid, totally fine to watch kids that don't necessarily get on your nerves and yeah, I mean it's just like a fun like Put your fists in the air, fuck yeah, y'all did it, kind of movie.
1: But also with like legitimately cr- creepy shit happening in it. Yeah, it does definitely get fairly intense for it being, you know, a kids horror movie. Yeah, this this would have definitely scarred me if I caught it when I was like seven or eight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I remember watching this movie a lot growing up because it was on cable constantly. You know, it was obviously going to be like trimmed and edited a little bit here and there. So like some of the more intense stuff was trimmed out. But yeah, I definitely remember. watching watching this movie all the time and I had this weird memory in my head again going back to our like icebreaker kind of conversation I remember seeing the little like potato minion demons running around and that being kind of burned in my head for a few years just what's the movie with all the little like weird like little mini critter things running around and they were all like in a cave and there was like a kid that fell
1: in this cave
0: this movie okay
1: yeah and cause when I was seeing those little things run around I was- was like this seems really vaguely familiar and i know there were moments where like my dad fell asleep watching tv and i was still up and i kind of like slyly took the remote from him and started channel surfing and like happened upon the sci-fi channel in the middle of like one of these types of movies and like yeah it was either critters this movie or some other movie that has these weird looking monsters running around yeah and uh and so yeah i i can totally relate to that just weird nostalgic but also a little bit terrifying moments of your childhood oh yeah so that's it
0: great movie had
1: a blast with this
0: one we will be getting back to y'all soon with something else with probably some guests coming up very soon hopefully yep so we're trying to work out that we can actually record like together in the same place with one of our other friends so hopefully we can get that to work out in the next few weeks so yeah in the meantime want to give a shout out to my little brother Jesse Mansfield aka Party Gator for our music at the beginning and the end of every episode which you one of his other side project bands, Opossums, uh, they have just put out a new album called Trash Candy um, that y'all should definitely check out on Bandcamp.
1: I fucking love that name.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like a name your price kind of album. Like, throw them a buck, download it. It's fun garage kind of stuff. So definitely check that out. And, um, you know, check us out as well. We're on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Download
1: our future episodes on Apple Podcasts, hit your Google Play, et cetera. As well as, well as our Podbean website which has all our links to. but yeah subscribe
0: rate view get on there and tell us about what your kinder trauma movies were growing up and what weird shit you were fascinated by as a kid but yeah that's it do you have anything else Derek before we go I mean there's always a shout out to Sally like usual but yeah actually hold on I think I have it on this record right here let me just play it backwards welcome to the black lodge basically all right y'all have a good week and be spooptastic